to the Chuggin' Chat. We are your hosts, Mo. Ah, and we're back together again. Yay, I'm so excited. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. So um, we're going to talk about Betsy DeVos today. So, you know, hold on. She is, she is not, not our queen, our of, the queen of the week. No. Oh, no. By the way, no, she is not. So <laughs> um, we're going to start it off today with a little bit of playing a little bit of media. Um, Got a little song, song for, you. for you. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> You can't see me, but I'm dancing right now. So am I, and I'm watching how freaky this video is. Hey, Betsy, leave our kids alone. <laughs> Here you go. Yes. How was that for you? That was, was good. Amazing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was really when we we were just now to everybody out there. Um, we were just now talking about like, should we start with some media? And we were going to do, like, hello, darkness, my old friend. But we thought then the, like, that, like, we don't need no. I mean, breaking the wall is, like, absolutely perfect. It is really perfect. So is hello, darkness, my old friend. But we realize all of the brilliant folks out there who have created, like, the most hilarious memes ever with it. We're going to let you have that one for now and maybe use it for a more appropriate time. It's not time yet. It's going to be a long four years. We will have plenty of time to use that. (laughs) And anyone out there, if you're interested in making any covers that can be used of Hello Darkness, My Old Friend, I'm sure we're going to need more than one iteration of it. We probably will. Yeah. That's a great point. We should, yeah, yeah, anyone want to create a beautiful wonderful unique cover for for that moment we will probably need it very often actually like please do it right now because i would like, i would no. like listen the shit out of that <laughs> all right girl so what do we have for today so today we're going to talk about um betsy devos we're going to start a little bit about um you know kind of where she came from financially um and sort of like her not really her early life we're not really going to focus on that but talk about um, the organization she's been involved with some of the things that um, that she's you know championed in the past and why that could be a concern um, and basically just sort of talk about her conflicts of interest. There are some really interesting um, bits in there. And then we're going to kind of briefly, um, well, we, Liz, is going to, in her all of her brilliance, is going to um, briefly kind of explain the voucher system. Um, I know it was something that, like, I had to be like, hey, what? Someone help me here. Um, and, You're not alone, girl. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then and then sort of talk. And then from there, we're going into um, some bits of media that you found, like, additional reasons for no, right? Absolutely. Some additional reasons for no, which, uh, you know, I, we try not to be a totally biased podcast. We really do want to be schooled by difference of opinions. But, I mean, the evidence is out. The jury has spoken Pretty much everyone says no who actually yeah. looks into the policy around this. So we'll get, definitely get to that. Um, yeah. And then we're going to, we had um, two people 
post on the Facebook, which is like, you guys, that's so exciting. Somebody, yes! <laughs> you literally posted on the Facebook. And one of who, one of you guys, as we know, she's my friend um, Katie Reardon from college, and I love her dearly. And the other person, Katie DeCoste, we don't know. We do not. So it's so just so exciting. I'm so pumped. And um, yeah, keep keep like keep doing that. So we're gonna share those, and then um, we're gonna kind of just go into some personal reflections on education policy, what it might need to us um, personally. You know, some some personal experience that we may have, and and then we're gonna talk about the queen of the week. So yeah, yes, we have yes. a lot going on. We're like, how especially after like. So for those of you who don't know, we took a week in between. We filmed three episodes really, really quickly. Then Morgan filmed a mini episode. Um, and then we took a week and it felt like years yeah, since we long. were able to talk and reflect with each other. And I think it was, of course, time well spent. But I don't know how we're going to keep this to a short amount of time because we're just so enthusiastic to be here talking to each other again and reflecting yeah. and processing this stuff. So we're going to try our best, but we have a lot that we want to talk about today. Yeah, so <laughs> if this is this. like really long, I'm not sorry. Like I'm sorry. That yeah, you sorry, not sorry. For that long, but I'm not sorry. But yeah, not I mean, sorry. just like, just, you know, put it into two episodes yourselves because we, we're lazy. We don't want to edit it. <laughs> Strap in, press pause, press play again. <laughs> uh, so what are you drinking today? You said you're drinking a mimosa. Oh, I'm so happy that you mentioned that because we are called Chug and Chat. So probably admitting that we're like secretly drinking um, next to microphones would be a good idea. <laughs> I am drinking a mimosa. A mimosa. A mimosa. Um, I'm, drinking, I'm drinking my favorite cheap champagne, which is Cordon Negro. Oh, yeah. um, I'm going to just, you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm going to post, forgive my terrible, terrible diction <laughs> skills in that moment. I'm going to post a picture of it because really sadly at this point I've been buying this cheap champagne that I love for so long that I it's basically just like a visual recognition in the grocery store I'm like oh that is the bottle yep don't really remember the name but I buy it all the time um and it's one of my favorite dry champagnes and I'm drinking with it with a splash of orange juice um Ooh. more heavy on the champagne so I will definitely share with you guys what are you Yummy. drinking Morgan um I'm drinking a modelo I am drinking a beer today. Yeah, and so I'm like over here like Burp City. So I apologize to everyone. But, <laughs> but it's I'm appropriate. What day is it? What it is the Super Bowls. It? it is Superb Owl Sunday. Superb Owl. Did you watch the Puppy Bowl? I just haven't. No, have I haven't watched the Puppy Bowl, but I probably will. I probably will too. Like when I need it later and I'm feeling depressed about the world, I'm going to yeah. revisit the Puppy Bowl. <laughs> oh, that's such a good thing to have on today, Liz. Like It's true. That's like, yeah, that's a little security blanket for later. <laughs> self-care, watch the puppy pole. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right. So speaking of self-care, protect yourselves right now. If you're not in a good frame of mind, we're going to talk about Betsy DeVos, as Morgan said. Oh, and yeah. You know, if you guys are anything like me, I mean, I don't necessarily react emotionally on the outside, but all of this stuff feels such so personal to me and issues that I care about so much that it, again it's really hard not to like go into that like train of thought of like oh my god I'm so exhausted and tired and I can't even think about any of this so mentally prepare yourselves we're about to share 
some details of Betsy DeVos's bio, and they might be a little alarming. So yeah. <laughs> strap in, get ready. <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna preface what I have found that like I did my research on Wikipedia at 11:30 last night because I'm really <laughs> committed to bringing you correct information. But that being said, that being said, that like I I have not read. Um, some of the articles that some of these things have been sourced from, um, but I, I do still want to share it. And I definitely um, want to share the things that her, her connections with particular um, companies and things like that. And like, I'm actually going to, I've now been inspired to do a little bit further research on some of them um, because I just, I'm, I'm, I started kind of getting into the like, follow the money with some of her nonprofits. And so I kind of think I'm going to have more to report back yeah, we might um, have to have, a, if she, I mean, let's say this. So for those of you who don't know, um, she's set to be confirmed tomorrow. Um, yes. On Monday. So, I mean, if she's confirmed especially, we probably will have a lot to say about her in particular. Um, but I imagine that if for some reason, if for some freak accident she's not, um, this is clearly the representation of what Trump's administration is really thinking for education. And so I mm-hmm. think that we will probably talk about this more than once. Totally. Totally. And I would I would really be interested just to know, you know, I'm obsessed with follow the money. Like I love yes. I love that kind of stuff. But anywho, so I guess I'll just jump I'll just jump into some of the notes that I made. Um, and if I can't read my handwriting, I'm going to have to find it again in the article. So sorry, but here we go. <laughs> um, so she's married to the son of the guy who started Amway. Um, Ooh, and what yeah. is Amway for so, those of us who don't know? Amway, I mean, let me, it's, uh, Amway is, uh, and by those of us who don't know, I mean myself. Yeah. It's like, it's like the gold standard for multi-level marketing. So it. it is, and no. so uh, yeah. So it like it is. Um, they renamed it. They had to rename it um, in two thousand eight um, because it just sort of got a bad rap. But anyway, it's uh, the according to Wikipedia, it is an American company that uses a multi level marketing model to sell a variety of products, primarily in health, beauty, and home care markets. Um, okay. And they reported sales of nine point five billion dollars for 2015 i mean they're huge they're huge they do like water purifiers they do um like dietary supplements and they're basically um they're a pyramid scheme yeah and and but they've you know the people who started it made a ton of money so it's very much the same idea as like mary Kay, right like if you get yeah um five people under you or you know if you and actually i don't think mary Kay is really the best example because i think mary Kay is a little bit more ethical than that maybe i don't know um, but it, it's one of those multi-level marketing, uh, basically they, you know, took advantage of people who were trying to, you know, be able to have flexible work hours, possibly add on additional income and, and, you know, made them ended up getting money from them to buy all these products that they would never sell. Yeah. Um, and it's just sad. That's really sad. And that's that like, to me, if you could be a person who makes billions of dollars, personally off of like in some cases literally the suffering of other human beings it and then and then to be the person who married that person that's just a thing to think about yeah no kidding I mean like it is really interesting to think about in the context of relationships in that way like yeah like I don't I mean I couldn't sleep I couldn't sleep in my like diamond castle if my husband was doing (laughs) do you know what I mean like I don't care how rad 
my house is and my bag is, you know? Well, and I think about it all of the time, like, there are a lot of people that are in relationships where, you know, your values and philosophy are very different, and I never really totally understand those people, because while... Eric and I disagree on some things like ultimately like our fundamental values like are very aligned and that's Mm -hmm. what drives a lot of our behavior and choices and so I don't know if it were me analyzing this relationship I would say that means Betsy sucks (laughs) well right and that's why when I was reading it I just was like because up until this moment and I hadn't researched I'd been reading all the current event stuff on her but I hadn't researched her pre-nomination yeah. Um, and I think that's probably the case with a lot of us because, you know, there's so much media about her right now that, you know, it's like, how do you even have time to read what's going on currently and then try to verse yourself on what she did before? Like, no way. But there's, I, I'm always very interested, especially when, you know, people with a lot of money end up in positions like this that they have, that they know literally nothing about um, and have no kind of qualifications for, like, what, how did they get, like, how did she even meet? Trump you know what I mean like how did so anyway so that I thought was interesting it's not a direct reflection on her and I totally do recognize that you know whatever her husband does is not necessarily um an extension of her however those you know just like what you just said those core values are sort of something maybe that that you uh got to think about um and and I'm going to kind of go through so not all of this is going to be in um chronological order because some of it like it makes more sense to read it to you in a way because um Anyway, I'll, I'll get to why. <laughs> but so her brother is Eric Prince, and he um, is the owner of Blackwater USA, um, who is the, a private military services contractor. So they, um, they, as far as I can tell, they supply men um, to like guard diplomatic convoys. Um, they, they, they are like hired soldiers. Um, and they also sound effect inserted here. Yeah. 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 Uh So, and, and they also are, I I would imagine, let's see. I mean, it talks, this article that I'm, I'm reading about them. It's from the New York times. It's back from 2007. Um, and they were contracted to, um, go, let's see, to guard a diplomatic envoy, uh, or convoy, not envoy, (laughs) convoy, um, in Baghdad. Um, and were involved in a shootout. So, um, I would imagine too, they, they provide their own or sell weapons separately. Like I would think that's a thing that they do, but again, that's not confirmed. Um, just something to think about. (laughs) Yeah. It's just something that I just thought that that was an interesting tie for, for that kind of family that I just, I don't know. I was like, wow, that's, that's okay. Um, so anyway, put that in your bonnet. Think about that one. (laughs) Put that little B in your bonnet. Um, and, and I want to talk first. Okay, so, so she and her husband produced a Broadway show, and it's called Scandalous, The Life and Trials of Amy Semple McPherson. Um, and wait, it's, yeah, wait, yeah. Amy Semple McPherson? Semple, S-E-M-P-L-E. And she was apparently a very famous evangelist. I don't know who she is, but it, it was about the trial of her. And I don't, I'd like, I have, I had, didn't look into like what oh, she was on trial to. for. We I have know. to. <laughs> I know. And it ran for three weeks. So like it was up for a little while. And I, I like was reading that and was like, oh my God, we like, if I, oh my God, Liz, if I can find part of the script, we have to read it. We have, we should do like a, oh my like God, a, oh my, like auditioning for Betsy DeVos. We 
Okay, <laughs> we're just going to put this out in the universe. We will be creating our own show <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to right? find the script to be produced oh either in Portland, Oregon, or San Francisco, oh California. <laughs> oh my God. I bet we could be... buy it. Any, I've got to, I have to look into it. But Side anyway, note. I just was like, okay, hilarious. Like that's not, that means you, she made bad artistic choices. That doesn't mean that she was, <laughs> but, but anyways, um, so then I wanted to kind of jump in to, um, this company that she was involved with um, called Neurocore. And Neurocore, and let me like, I can actually read you like when it was. Um, put together. Yeah, this Basically, fascinated me. So as many details as you can share, like that yeah, is yeah, crazy. Yeah, and this is not, so, okay, so Neurocore is, is not a nonprofit. She's involved with a lot of nonprofits, but this is, this is an actual, um, like thing, like a for-profit organization. So, okay. So what it says on Wikipedia, thank you, Wikipedia for the info. It says, um, Betsy and her husband, Dick are chief investors in and board members of NeuroCore, a group of brain performance centers offering biofeedback therapy for disorders such as depression, attention deficit disorder, autism, and anxiety, which I might add is, yeah, I mean, those are the the four things that would most plague our children in terms of you know behavioral um, problems in 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 our schools. You know, that's what struck me is like, oh my god! I mean, those would be the four things that we would really want to have support for. I mean, not and, the only, of course, but for how interesting, big ones. like. Like, do we know? I think the probably the answer is we don't know this, but it'd be so interesting if there are any listeners out there who know of any resources who can compare the two between private schools and public schools, right? Like, do yeah. you see a lot of these things more commonly in public schools oh, be because so they're kind of shoved down into the public school system? Or are they better supported and more likely to be seen in a private school system because they're in theory, the resources there to support them. Like, that's something I just thought of with what you said, but I, right. I have no idea about that, and that would be so interesting. I don't either, but it seems to me, it just, I, I can't, I can't, the hardest part is how slippery all of this is for me, because it all feels like it should be the smoking gun, but it's not. Do you know what I mean? It all feels like it should be like, well, that is a direct conflict of interest, but it is just far enough removed and that's what scares me so much about all of this is that it it appears that this moment, this nomination has been planned for for quite some time, in my personal opinion. Ooh, I want to hear more about that. Do you want to share yeah. like a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So I'll fit. Let me finish NeuroCore because yeah, I'll okay. read the rest. Scary. This, this is just like this is really scary. So the therapy consists of showing movies to patients and interrupting them when they become distracted in an effort to retrain their brains. So like, hello, Clockwork Orange. <laughs> like Anthony Burgess calling. <laughs> it was it was Anthony Burgess that wrote Clockwork Orange, right? Yes. It was, right? Okay, good. Because I, like, I had a moment of like, oh my God, like what if it was like Ron Clemens or like, I don't know. <laughs> sorry, Ron. You never if, know. If, if Ron Clemens know. is actually an author. Sorry, Ron. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, Ron. Sorry, Ron. 
Um, okay, so according to the New York Times, a review of Neurocore's claims and interviews with medical experts suggests that the company's conclusions are unproven and its methods questionable. Um, going back to what it just said, and interrupting them during videos. How do they interrupt them? I would think with, with like, physic it, it, if it, it was not physical stimulus, it would be loud noises, it would be, it would yeah, be jolting. I can't think of Whatever it else. would be, it yeah. would be jolting, yeah. So Democratic senators raised concerns about a potential conflict of interest, yes, and questioned whether she and her family members would benefit financially from actions she could take as education secretary. Um, and that is when she announced that she would step, step down from the company's board, but would retain her investment in the company, valued at between 5 to $25 million. Wow. So there you go. Yikes. Um, Yikes. We'll just leave that. <laughs> yeah, no, like, whop, 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 whop. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, like. exactly right. <laughs> it, this is like red alert, like dystopian novel kind of shit. It, which you read it in just, your free time to get away from this, which is odd. <laughs> I know. I know. Sorry. Yeah. No uh, actual escape. <laughs> yeah. No escape from darkness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I never left, but I'm here again. Speaking um, of, again, we will mention we're looking for covers of <laughs> this song because we will clearly need it a lot. <laughs> <coughs> oh, sorry, everyone. Woo! Woo! So funny that made me cow. Now that you um, know how we truly laugh, we're like, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're not cute laughers, you guys. Um, I hate cute laughers, though. Sorry if anyone has a cute laugh in like in actuality, because it's like I feel like they're not real. You're fake. You're a fakester. <laughs> I would like, agree. Fake news. Fake laugh. Alternative laughs. Okay. Anyway. Alternative laughs. Any. Oh God. I can't. Like we need. I'm glad we're breaking this up because this is so hard <laughs> for me right now. Okay, so then I want to get into this this thing that is the All Children Matter lawsuit. Um, so in 2008, they, um, okay, well, I'll start with what All Children Matter is. So All Children Matter is an organization um, that Betsy and her husband put together. Um, it is a political action group. It's a PAC um, that... Uh, she and her husband founded in 2003 to promote school vouchers, tax credits to businesses that give private school scholarships, um, and candidates who support these causes. And that's what's the most interesting piece of this. So they were basically, um, All Children Matter became a way to funnel money into political campaigns. And then those people who were elected would push, would push the, um, the agenda, would push the school vouchers, the charter schools, the um, Christian private schools. Uh, agenda when they got into office. I um, mean, why this is important is in 2008, um, they were fined $5.2 million after the Ohio Elections Commission brought a case for campaign spending violations. Um, and so what had happened is they had funded All Children Matter as a national uh, PAC. And um, which it's so for anybody who doesn't know what a PAC is, it's a political action um, committee um, they are an organization that pools campaign contributions from members and donates these funds to, uh, campaigns for or against certain candidates. Um, and that's again, thank you, Wikipedia for that very concise definition. But, uh, it's, uh, and they, they are, PACs have, um, a little bit more stricter, like strict rules than super PACs do. So in terms of fundraising and things like that, there typically are limits that a one person can donate that particular types of industry can donate. And um, when they, they founded All Children Matter as a national PAC, you know, they were able to fundraise in a variety of different ways. 
But what they did was they gave too high of an amount to the Ohio chapter of All Children Matter, um, trying to fund candidates in Ohio. So they got in trouble with Ohio because all of a sudden there was an influx of funds to an Ohio pack that didn't come from Ohio, from donations given through Ohio. Wow. Does that make sense? Holy crap. That's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what I, what, and that's part of what I want to look further into. Like I found, um, and I'll post it on the page. I found the entire, I can't find the original case yet, um, but I can find where they appealed it. So there's the whole like court proceedings, the decision, all of that kind of stuff on there. And I just sort of started reading it. But I, I, wow. what I really want to know, I really want to go through and look and see who those candidates might have been in 2008 and see why they would have done that. That's like, really why, why was Ohio idea. so important? Yeah. You know what I mean? But anyway, that that's really interesting. And I think the scariest thing... If anyone me, knows about that, we should like invite... If anyone yes. out there listening knows about this, please contact us on our Facebook page or on Twitter or whatever, because I would like to know more about that, too. Yeah. I mean, I just really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 See? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so it, it that do you see what I mean now about all of this is so incorrect? This is obviously a conflict of interest, but but I'm having trouble putting my finger on exactly how. Do you understand where I'm kind of going with that now? Yeah. It's like, there well, are so it's many... Like, it's like so many things in policy right now. Like, people are pushing specific, seemingly social policies when they know that um, essentially an unexpected outcome is money in their own pockets. Mm-hmm. And that's really terrible, like, especially in the context of children, which is why... Which is actually why I think there have been two Republican legislators who have said, you know what, no, like, we're not okay with this because, like, that's a lot of the time where people draw the line. It's why an abortion issue is so huge because when we're talking about our kids, like, that's when things get really sensitive. So when people are starting to get an inclination that, like, maybe she doesn't have the best interest of kids but is in fact, uh, you know, acting out of her own special interest, um, people are calling bullshit. So that, I mean, that is incredibly interesting. And I feel like I have a lot to learn in this area. But um, yeah, I call bullshit. She sucks. <laughs> we, yeah, haven't even, I mean, we haven't even heard like all sides of like proponents versus opponents and everything you just said, like, horrifies me. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so, so I'm going to go to this. It also oh. horrifies my cat, Guacamole, who just oh, literally pushed he? open my door. Like oh, pushed Guac. it open himself. So Hi, I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go close it while you continue to share. Okay. Um <laughs> so this is I'm gonna kinda move I move into political fundraising, which you know, this is sort of like capping off that. Um, in a nineteen ninety-seven article in the Atlantic, and I'm gonna find this article. I, I didn't have enough time to actually find it, but it's referenced in this Wikipedia article. Um, I'd yes. love to read the, the original article, but she's quoted as saying, my family is the largest single contributor of soft money to the National Republican Party. I have decided to stop taking offense at the suggestion that we are buying influence. Now I simply concede the point. They're right. We expect to foster a conservative governing philosophy consisting of limited government and respected and respect for traditional American virtues. We expect a return on our investment 
We expect a good and honest government. Furthermore, we expect the Repu Republican Party to use the money to promote these policies and, yes, to win elections. So, like, duh, you know, I mean, why else would you donate to the Republican You don't just, like, donate to the Republican Party, like, to feel good about yourself. Like, you do it because you want them to win elections, duh. But, duh. <laughs> duh. Duh. But it, nah. that, it just, it was like, you know, she's like, no, but, like, my family, I think what bothered me more about that was the, like, <laughs> uh, we are the largest contributor of soft money to the National Republican Party. Okay, great, but what do you know about education? Yeah, what, what do you that know matter? about that? Like, that's fine. Why don't you continue to be the largest soft money? Why do you have to be in the cabinet? I, Morgan, I don't do you, get it. But do you feel at all, and, like, this thought just occurred to me, but, like, do you feel at all, like, a little bit, like, keep saying that shit, Betsy and others? Because, like, yeah. you're finally shedding light on, like, what people have been saying for so long. Like, everybody in the 1% has their own personal self-interest in mind, and that essentially only, right? But so many people have been defending that for so long that maybe now that these people themselves are actually, like, coming out and essentially admitting these things is a good thing, because we're like, yeah. ha, you sound like an asshole. Well, but like and this article was from 1997. <laughs> well, it's okay. like... All right, then let's wake up, But do you know what people. I mean? It's like, how, <laughs> how did we... Ay, ay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And the last little thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about the DeVos Family um, Foundation. They Ooh, give yes. a ton of money to schools and private schools and particularly Christian private schools. And I thought, like, we, we want to believe that we're not going to have any, um, we want to believe that, that religion doesn't have a place in our schools. Um, I don't think it does. I, I personally am not a religious person. And so... I do not think that my children should be brought up learning about one religion. I think they should be brought up learning about many. Um, and I, you know, my experience in school, which I think I'll talk about later on, was that we did. I mean, we learned it was not like, okay, come all ye Christians to school. It was, you know, come everybody and let's learn about everybody. Um, I had a really unique uh, middle and high school experience. And, and so I, I think about it, really even an elementary experience now that I think of it, but so the fact that like the family foundation donates specifically to um i mean they've given a lifetime their lifetime giving of 139 million dollars it's been focused on funding christian organizations and christian private schools um in the last wow. two years i think or it was in the last couple of years they've given 8.6 million to christian schools and 5.2 million to charter schools so again it's just, you know, they're raising money through these political action committees that are changing the policy. And then they're also directly funding the schools that if they, if, this pol if these policies were to be passed and she were to be confirmed, then wouldn't it be expected that more Christian private schools and more charter schools would need to be generated to be able to accommodate the amount of children who would take advantage of the voucher program yes. and if so yes do you know what i mean like and yeah. if, if there is to me we, i was explaining this to my husband Stu last night and he was like well but none of this like to me none of this sounds like the smoking gun and then i, I was like yeah but it's the same thing as price putting in money for for william morris and and then or is it philip morris oh my gosh philip. the but um, the 
and, and then like for um okay now i've lost my train of thought because i think i said william morris and i think that's wrong anyway <laughs> sorry everyone so um tom price and it's even tom price like i'm gonna i'm like having a stroke is it betsy devos what are we drinking <laughs> hold on okay let me say let me just say this the voucher program and contemplating the voucher program and all of these very tea partyist policies like literally make us all have such brain farts that like (laughs) no i'm serious about this because like the way the rhetoric is designed and the way these policies are designed to confuse us i mean like truly like i have to help you out here morgan simply because like i'm feeling like i've been experiencing a several month brain fart and it's like i start talking intelligently about these issues and having really great conversations and then i'm just like so emotionally overwhelmed by all the facts and all of the horror that i'm just like who I know. what it's just... what day is it so i just i, I, I like super so feel you. i was wrong it was philip morris <laughs> william morris is a person sorry william <laughs> or was a person sorry a william so what i was saying is it's the same to me as um tom price our our pick for health and human services um that he don't um bought a bunch of stock in philip morris and then went to the senate and introduced a bill um that changed healthcare pol- policy for i think it was like hip um, replacement implants or something that then made them a ton of money so then of course his stock went up in value of course so it's it's like it's the same thing it's like the same thing but i just anyway all of this is really slippery and it's like coming back around but i just i man i uh, i feel like it's a i feel like it's a perfect perfect example of like again like it's like you you present things in a glossy awesome package like the way that the voucher program and other things are presented it's like who wouldn't vote for children who wouldn't vote for the best interest of children and the way it's presented is very confusing it makes it very hard to determine like whether you're actually supporting the best interests of children or not. And that's why this conversation is so interesting. And I feel like our age is very timely as well, because some Mm. of us are planning to have families ourselves and what do we need to take into consideration? And I I mean, it's, it's a confusing time. And sort of to your point earlier, I think that the more we learn about people like Betsy DeVos and the type of education policy that the Trump administration wants to enact we're going to have to have a lot of conversations about this because it's yeah. confusing. And we, I feel like we know better than anyone. Like maybe this is just my personal opinion, but like, I feel like there was a good long while where like our generation was considered the complacent inactive generation. Cause we mm-hmm. sort of like had things pretty good and like, we're sort of like whatever, like technology, we want instant gratification. And then especially this administration, like Bernie Sanders, like other things like really made millennials act in a different way. And like, only are we just kind of figuring out like, what are our beliefs in all of these things and how important is the future generation for what's to come with policy? Like the baby boomer boomers outnumber us and they outvote us right now. So what does that mean for the future? And now we're finally at this older millennial age where it's like, it's not just focused around us and our like, you know, supposed complacency, but now it's focused on our potential future children. And what does that mean? And you know, this is just a little sneak preview, I guess, to later when I, um, you know, for lack of a better word, interrogate her about her plans for motherhood, because I'm fascinated mm-hmm. to learn 
what my closest friends really feel about what is needed for education. I think it's a it's a time where everyone's really talking about this and trying to sort through it in a way that we haven't focused on education before. So I'm really excited about that. Absolutely. And I think I think with that, Liz, like that's so that was basically the information that I have. And it's it's it I'm just starting to put together this actual picture of, of everything, you know, that that where she came from, what she's been involved with. Um, but honestly, guys, it just it all feels so it just feels slippery and it feels wrong. And I can't exactly explain why. But I, you know, let, let us know. Let us know if it feels wrong to you, too. Yeah. I mean, if it. It, you can't directly tie any of these things together, but if one really thinks about it, it's not a big step between the lily pads, you know? It's really not. <laughs> That's yeah. a very good way to picture it. So yeah. yeah, let us know your input because we need it. And we are obviously leaning towards no <laughs> DeVos yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, DeVos is not a boss. She is not a boss. And I will mm-hmm. say this, like, If this is a good segue, I would love to just like talk briefly about the voucher program in particular and what people are saying in support of it and against it, because I think that this is one of the um, places where people are confused um, maybe the most. Um, I don't know know if you feel that way. Yeah. 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 And I continue to be too. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. So let's talk a little bit about it. So. Um, School vouchers, as many of you know, are really considered as one of the approaches to having a choice of education and a choice of private schools in particular um, for policy right now. Um, Traditional vouchers are state-funded, I guess, scholarships, for lack of a better word, that pay um, for kids to attend private school rather than public school. Um, so there are some states that have done this for a really long time. So it's I, I do want to say this, like the history of it is interesting because it's been around for a lot longer, I guess, than in some ways I realize like it's being pushed in some mm. ways like a very new thing now, especially with the upsurgence of charter schools. But Maine and Vermont in particular, like have been essentially using vouchers for private school education for the last 140 years. Now, for those of you who know anything about state politics, at least Vermont is incredibly progressive. So that's kind of interesting to think about because we sort of right now think about the fact that like very progressive liberals are sort of typically against voucher programs and charter schools um, or many aspects of them. Mm -hmm. Whereas, um, you know, people that are more right leaning might think differently. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting because Vermont's like the most liberal state in the entire world. <laughs> they have really had these voucher programs in place. It really is. Um, wow. I know, I right? That. So it's like, have they found aspects that have made it work? Probably so. Um, so, and that would degree. be something interesting. When I think of, of Vermont and I don't, I mean, my knowledge of Vermont is like not extensive. So When I think of Vermont, I think of like a largely upper middle class white population. Yes, that is true. So is that why it works? Like just throwing that out there. Is that why it works? Okay, yeah. Everybody keep that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because there's not a whole lot of economic disparity, I wouldn't imagine, in a place like that. Um, Although, again, I don't know. Well, I'll share um, a little a little teeny experience I've had, which is limited, of course, but I chose an MBA program 
that was based in Northfield, Vermont. It's one of the oldest military schools in the country and so very um, conservative leaning in a lot of ways, but opened up to um, civilians in the last 20 years, which has sort of changed. I mean, it's very diverse in that sense. We had Condoleezza Rice as our uh, keynote speaker for our graduation, which was horrifying. But so, <laughs> just, that's so like, obviously cool, like, it's that's so cool, awful, but that's really cool. Yeah, because an experience that I would never have otherwise. But just to give you a taste of what Vermont is like, um, local citizens of Vermont came to our graduation speech to protest Condoleezza oh, Rice speaking my. and were thrown out. So, like, just to give you a sense, like Vermont really is like very left leaning with the exception of um you know a few institutions so kind of interesting um so i just kind of wanted to share some of that i guess history like it has a long history um but basically like if you want to break it down between people who support it and people who do not um you know kind of removing the left and right leaning from that um people who are in support of it really say that they want to make sure that parents or themselves as parents can choose where they send their kid to school. Mm-hmm. And like bottom line, especially, and I can vouch for this, like my parents kind of made a decision in, in um, a city based in Chicago based on this. A lot of people believe that private schools have a better education. Now, of course, like totally depending on where you are, like this depends like it depends on exactly what neighborhood you're in all of these other factors but generally especially a lot of white affluent leaning people believe that private schools are better now i would love to dig more into when are we told this like is this based a lot on fact or is it based on perception based on privilege (laughs) which i think there's some of both probably there's probably some of both yeah and and growing up in in new mexico I, being a state, I mean, we were like 49th in the nation for education yes. um, when I was in elementary school. And, and I went to private school my whole life. And yeah. so, and I think the reason why I did that was, or not why I did that, but why my parents chose that was because it was, you know, inherently, it, like it, it was hopefully better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but that's, yeah. And I'm, a, yeah, okay, keep going. No, <laughs> just, and I'm glad you relate to that because, like, my parents while they are white and have certain privilege, they're really on the lower side of middle class. And so Mm -hmm. it's still interesting that they were sort of sucked into that in Chicago, like you need to send your kid to private school and here's why. And they believe that, you know, there were less public school or magnet school or whatever options at the time, which has some truth to it. But anyway, it's interesting to think about where that perception really comes from. Sure. Um, and, And part of it, I think, is just flat out like, private schools get funding that public schools don't have access to and that's where people's perceptions really coming from but then of course you can have the argument like does money make quality not necessarily and like marketing i mean like in the most literal sense marketing because you don't see yes you know i mean you don't see like come to i'm thinking of like public colleges you know i mean you don't really see a whole lot it's like come to princeton come to yale yeah when you think of something you know what i mean like Well, yeah. I mean, it's all based on, like, yeah, numbers and how you can persuade people to be involved. And that is very um, private institution oriented rather than consumer based. It also makes me think of a fact that I learned the other day in the context of obesity, which is that, you know, um, public schools in particular in the elementary range receive money 
for food marketing. So, like, mm. if their cafeteria has, like, Doritos or curly fries or whatever, they might be receiving funding that they're, like, is the <gasps> only way they're funding, like, materials or, you know, whatever. No. Like, Title I type stuff, you know, um, that they can't really reject, um, but is, like, ruining the health of, <laughs> of the kids that are going there. So That, that is absolutely yeah. terrifying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, truly to think about, like, especially if you're in a low income situation. And this is why I love Michelle Obama, right? Because she really did a lot of work to, like, improve the quality of, like, free lunch programs. That's Mm -hmm. public schools, for example. But if you think about it in that context, it's like, yeah, like, you could have access to really horrible stuff simply because that's the way that the school partially funds the education that your kid is having access to. So there, there's just so many layers to this that, like, I can't... Dude, I literally not, cannot. Like, I cannot with that. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's horrible, right? It's like you want to send your kid to a place where their health is being taken into consideration so that they're in the best environment to learn and that they also have the access to the best teachers and resources. So it's like many things to consider and I will just throw out there even though I'm not done talking about the voucher program in general I will throw out there that like that's one of the biggest problems I've heard from people about DeVos is specifically her lack of experience in all of these areas like there's so many things to consider yeah Yeah. like she knows none of it and she is essentially just again acting out of her own personal self-interest so (laughs) we'll keep considering that but about the voucher program in general, again, just to reiterate, it's essentially providing funds for specific families. They, of course, like market it from a low income perspective. And yes, lots of low income families have access to this, but it's not limited to that. And maybe we'll come back to that in a little more detail later. It's not limited mm-hmm. to low income, but it's marketed that way. That people have these vouchers um, to choose to go to private school rather than public school, thinking that number one, private education is better, um, and that that will somehow put pressure on the public schools that is needed to improve their programs. And I think that's a really important point. Like, I just want to reiterate that. Like, they are thinking that if public school students take these vouchers and move to a private education, that that means somehow the public schools, because they're lazy and have no way of or no incentive to consider doing this like suddenly because they're losing money from students choosing not to go there that suddenly they have the incentive to improve their programs like and i'm just going to be straight up biased here and be like that is complete bullshit that's horseshit i mean that just (laughs) is it is isn't it it is i mean it's like you it's the same mentality that a lot of social justice um, or, or conservative social justice groups have. It's like, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Like, I worked in social services and worked with people experiencing homelessness. And the thing you hear most often from people who are not willing to provide funding for housing or for protective services for people experiencing these um, issues um, is essentially like, well, you're lazy and you're not, you're just receiving welfare and you're not mm. pulling yourself by, up by your own bootstraps. And if you did, then the problem would be solved. Like, it's the same mentality, in my opinion. Absolutely. And this is, the, you know, the book that we were just talking about um, that I just finished talks very much about how we've, we've found ways to make 
issues with our government, well, actually, really, the government itself has found ways to make issues that are actually policy issues that are that are issues that are deeply um, plaguing our country into social issues like that. Yes. So yes. they've assigned a face to why um, people of color are being oppressed. They've assigned, an, or, you know, for not even like an archetype, they've assigned something like, so, I mean, it's like, it's like yeah. the private school system has, has been assigned a positive archetype. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, if yeah. you go to private school, then you will have all of these things. And it's like, well, I went to private school and like, I didn't go to Yale, you guys. You know, yeah, it's like the like symbol of white privilege. It's like, yeah. oh, everything will be solved if you just choose this. <laughs> yeah, if you just get on this path, because it, it it then what I think it does is it diverts the attention. So yeah. instead of going, oh, well, you know, actually, we have a really big problem in our public schools and funding and and the resources that they have and how much our teachers are paid and. And, you know, all of that sort of stuff, what they actually are learning, common core standards, all of those things, while, you know, it's a lot easier to think like, well, that school just sucks. Yeah. Then yeah. it is to look at it and go, well, it's, it's a p problem of policy. And it's, it's the classic, like, mm, look this way, sort of almost uh, like, almost like a different form of gaslighting. Yeah. That it's yeah. like, but it's not that problem. It's this problem. And everybody's like, but wait, isn't it that isn't, oh, oh, maybe it is the problem that you're trying to make me think about. And maybe, you know, you're being influenced in that way. Yeah. And maybe it is the fact that like more educators need to be involved in education policy. I mean, like mm -hmm. I'm in no way in a position to hate on programs like Teach for America. I think that mm -hmm. there are things, I know some incredible people that have been a part of those programs and some good things that have come of them, but it is similar in the sense that it's like, you have this program that's like, I've diagnosed this issue. I'm going to come in and fix it. Like having really no idea, like the source of the real problems here at this right. school in this particular community and what we could do about it from a policy perspective. And nothing is like, nothing ends up being fixed at all. Well, <laughs> no, know? because so it's, it's then we just create another problem. Yeah. So what we're, what we're in, essentially moving toward is, is, you know, what, what's happening now with the process of gentrification. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. we're, we are now gentrifying our schools is what's, it's what's happening. Oh my God. It's so true. And this is a perfect segue, I suppose, even though obviously we've, <laughs> we've made clear where we stand on this issue. <laughs> um, let's move from what proponents of like the voucher program, for example, which Betsy, Betsy DeVos really cares about and is um, an advocate for to what opponents say, um, you know, so essentially, um, there is like literally no evidence that proves that a private education is better than a public one. I mean, mm -hmm. that's like, that needs to be said first and foremost. A zillion times. I have done so much research on this and it's, it's a similar argument to like how much public schools or not public schools, but elementary schools have moved towards standardized testing. Like they're all required now to do the set of standardized testing that does not prove prove proficiency in certain areas and then it also takes away from music performance art programs and also recess and gym programs so if you want to like have health and fitness emotional intelligence like creativity like critical thinking like there's so many components that are essentially um 
taken away from the things that are prioritized with the curriculum. And then you put this into perspective that people are like demanding that private schools have a better education than public schools when there's like literally no basis for that. Now, of course, you brought this up before private schools, um, more than charter schools and magnet schools have a lot more control, of course, over their curriculum. So um, you can choose to have religion-based curricula at private schools. And in fact, um, you know, I should mention I grew up in the private school system. Like my parents were of the belief that private schools had the better education than the public option and made the choice to send, yeah, to send me to private school and not a choice that they, that was necessarily in their best interest or the most affordable, but they believed it was better. Now I think a lot about now, like, was it actually better or was that what they were told as white people? And that makes me really sad because they were lower middle class. They are still paying for it in terms of what they've been able to do um, in their lives because they made sacrifices for me that they thought were necessary. Um, and, and was that really a better choice? I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's hard to know. It's really hard to know because in situations like, you know, like in New Mexico, I mean, I went to college with, with kids that had come out of school out of some of the, the public high schools. And they, I mean, they were having a lot more problems, um, in like, essay writing and things like that than I did. And, and that's really true. Like truly that is the only moment I have ever gone. Oh man, I'm kind of glad I went to private school. (laughs) I mean, seriously, because that was really the only moment that it was like, okay. Um, and I, I have no idea whether that's because of the particular educators that were at my private school. Do you know what I mean? If it was like, if I could have been in a public school and had a great English teacher, because my, my like my sample size for that thought, uh, you know, is, is very small. It was like five or six kids, um, you know, that I knew that that had trouble, you know, like putting together a five paragraph essay in, in, as freshmen in college. And that to me at the time was like totally crazy. But at the same time, I have no idea whether, you know, they cut class all the time, first of all, whether that school was, you know, they had an educator who wasn't invested in them, whether that school didn't have funding or, I mean, I I don't know any of that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all things to take into consideration and really interesting to think about in retrospect, like Mm -hmm. what formed our parents' decisions, what, like how much evidence-based information played a role, like what does that shape for our future decisions? And And like what, what decisions will we make? Exactly. Exactly. Which I want to use as a segue because like really we've talked way too long and I think honestly the most the thing I'm most interested in is hearing about your opinions for as a future parent and how this informs essentially what you're doing about someone like Betsy DeVos um, being being confirmed for this position. But let me just say this really quickly because I want to share Um, Like we said, uh, we want to feature our wonderful people who have commented on Facebook about Betsy DeVos and my um, friend who also texted me this as a teacher as well. So maybe we can share these first and then we'll jump gracefully into our own personal opinions about this. So Um, gracefully. Do you want to share at least Katie Katie Reardon since that is your pal or what what would you like to? Yeah, great. Sure. I'm not on. Hold on. Let me get on Facebook. I'm not. I had not been on. Um, Perfect plug. We have a Facebook group. It's called Chug in Chat 
podcast and yeah. it links directly to our Facebook, um, excuse me, our Twitter, our Twitter. Our, our Twitter. Our Twitter, um, which posts a lot of the same things. But this is where we ask for your feedback. And we also post all of the articles and media that we discuss um, so that you guys can look at them, too, if you haven't already. So please like our page. Get involved. We want to hear from you. Like we said from our first episode on, we're trying to get schooled in a lot of these topics. And we still have a lot to learn. So your participation is really key in this. Yes, 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 please. Please go on and like the page um, and, and talk to us. Just keep talking to us about everything that's coming through. If you, and if you have any, like we said before, if you have anything that you're thinking about that you're like, I really wish they'd talk about that, totally tell us because we will totally talk about it. We totally will. We totally will. And we'll talk about it so good. And It'll we will so totally good. have whatever cocktail you suggest to us as well because oh, that seems to be a key oh, component of at least the name of our podcast, that's not the activity. A good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> However, like I think we reserve a little bit of veto power because sometimes we record it like 2 p.m. you guys and right, so they're like, gonna be like ever clear like I know. <laughs> <laughs> 151 shots <laughs> three fireball shots at 1 p.m. on a Wednesday oh, like, I mean I would probably do it but I would still. too I mean really you guys are probably persuasive you're, and could yeah. convince us but. yeah you're probably in the driver's seat on this one you guys <laughs> viewers take the wheel Take the anyway. wheel. That was beautiful. That was really <laughs> <Thank> beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Me, me, me. Um, okay, so I'm going to share what Katie said. She rocks. Love you, Katie girl. She says, teacher here, no yays. So here are my nays. She's never set foot in a public school, nor have her children. She has zero experience managing a school, making decisions for a school, school district, or interacting with a public school. Disregarding her grizzly bears comment from her <laughs> earlier hearing, the fact that not only did she have to be told what IDEA is, capital I-D-E-A, but that she actually thinks states should be allowed to decide whether or not to service students with special needs in a fair, free public education system um, should be enough for everyone to vote no on her. Yeah. Uh, she says, vote no for her on everything forever. <laughs> I love that. And I'll just say, let me just say, this brings up two points that I've been thinking about. Like, I completely agree. The fact that people are very opposed to her does seem to ring true that states should be allowed to decide whether or not to vote service students with special needs in, in public schools or otherwise. I think that that is, like, one of the most common things that I have heard in opposition to her mm -hmm. and also the fact I mean again just to circle back to like low income or any like any minority population essentially DeVos is against because you think about the fact that like the way it's marketed is to a very low income or special needs community for these voucher programs right but in fact the major I mean at least half of the money actually goes to people who are already putting their kids in private schools as subsidies and, for their tuition right and now all of a sudden they get it for free and really the idea with a lot of the policy is to continue to expand that like they're marketing in it like oh we're giving access to private education for people that have never had access to it before but really the majority of people like they, I think they issued something like 
29,000 vouchers last year, but only 12,000 enrollments in, in private school occurred because more than half of the people who got the vouchers already had their kids enrolled in private school and were receiving those services. Now they were just oh. receiving them for free. So it's like, I mean, I just, I love her all of her points there but it's just again circles back to this thing that's plaguing me most about like if we're really marketing it to help people who can't have access to better education or the type of services and education that they need for their special needs child like we better have some damn proof that this actually serves those people better and we don't have that we don't have anything that it even serves them at all no I mean, like you know like better would would be if, if, if there was any evidence that any of those communities were going to benefit at all. Yeah. It, 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 there just isn't. There isn't. There isn't. There just really isn't. And that's, that's, oh, God. I just, like, I just want to bang my head on the wall. I, really <laughs> I know. Do. I know. But, but I, like, seriously, like, even you couple of folks who texted us or, you know, Facebook commented, uh, commented us feedback on this like this is like what keeps us going because it reminds us like that other people are thinking about this stuff you care about it and you're willing to participate in that conversation like I think we're probably both going to be in the position a lot to bang our heads against the wall and be like well there's no hope (laughs) (laughs) and then I hear from like one friend and I'm like okay there's hope I need to stop being so goddamn dramatic (laughs) no totally absolutely absolutely yes so so let's Let's talk Do about you want to share our other new... comment. Should we? Should I share the other comment? From sure. Yeah, new... it's kind of the. Some of it is sort of the same stuff that Katie talked about too. So yes, sure which is great. Katie, because Katie and Katie, mm-hmm. spelled differently, with one with a C, one with a K. Um, so Katie Dacos says. No, oh, so just let me reiterate the post um, just to remind those of you listening. So we asked on our Facebook page, "What are your top three yays or nays about Betsy DeVos?" Um, if you remember, our first Katie said no yays. <laughs> there were no yays. <laughs> and I think uh, our second Katie feels, feels similarly. <laughs> so she says, number one, she has absolutely no experience in public education. Number two, she has no idea of the issues facing teachers and schools. And number three, she does not sound as though she is going to work for the betterment of all students, essentially clueless in all areas, which like Katie DeCoss, <laughs> if you're listening out there, I love you, girl, because yep. essentially clueless in all areas <laughs> about sums up uh, everyone's reactions to Betsy DeVos. So thank you. <laughs> God, no What do you kidding. think, Morgan? You feel the same I, I way? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the fact, if you watch her hearing and if you haven't watched some of her, I mean, literally pick any piece of her hearing and just watch how bewildered she is by these, by these questions. It's, you know, I always think like, who didn't brief you? You know what I mean? Like, I always think like, who? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but that's like, I thought it was Sarah Palin too. It was like, good God, who's on your staff? Who didn't brief you? You know, and, and that's when I when I look at everything that she she's just she seems wholly unprepared for all of the questions. And what scares me the most is that she seems like she doesn't care. Because if what she were trying to do is like seduce everyone into thinking she knows what she's doing. And, and like, she's, it doesn't even seem like she's truly like fighting for the position. She just knows she's going to get it. 
I know, God. Ugh. Okay, so just to give some more voice then to actual teachers out there and people who really care about this issue because Betsy DeVos really seems to not in many ways. I texted this morning my friend Regine Chartier, who is basically trilingual at this point and what a great name too regine chartier she is that is such a cool name so she is the person who like i sat next to in our first class freshman year of high school and i just started like throwing up my boyfriend problems on her which were like the most trivial you could imagine like I will not share them with you but I basically was like we're gonna be best friends and we're gonna talk about all this stuff but it's really transformed into a beautiful friendship um, where we talk about really tough stuff and care about each other and the world deeply and she I know is one of the best teachers out there because she cares so much about how they're adapting, what language they speak, which education might be the most customized and appropriate for them. I mean, she really has a unique and wonderful perspective on this issue. So I really want to share what she has to say. Yes. Um, yes, 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 yes. So um, here's also, some like, stuff Queen that she said. Queen and Regine rhyme. Ah! Um, also, okay. Okay, Morgan, she's also the person who introduced me to Voice Changer. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, you guys. So for those of you who haven't heard of the app Voice Changer, you have to have it. That is the like one of the primary ways that Liz and I communicate. We'll share a couple on the Facebook page because they're really good. <laughs> they're so good. And like Regine and I and now Morgan and I are constantly like exchanging these text messages like I'm saying this very deep thing but like in a very low voice or like really a very great. a very chipmunk voice so it's it's ridiculous but like again another maybe another self-care thing so yeah yeah I asked Regine <laughs> today as a teacher what are the top three to five reasons that DeVos is the devil incarnate. Okay, yes, yeah. I realize I'm not a journalist. That's a little leading, but I already knew that she felt this way. So it's a I thought, little leading. <laughs> it's it's very leading. But like I said, I know she felt this way already, so I knew she'd answer me answer me. Answer me. She'd honestly. She'd answer me honestly. So she says no experience, no belief in public education. For example, she's openly pro charter. And her comfort with making blanket statements as if education looks one way and one way only, which I've heard people say a lot. Um, the funniest thing that she said to me um, all day is the fact that she followed this with saying, I'm not convinced that Betsy DeVos is not Sarah Palin in a wig. <laughs> <laughs> which, like... Seriously, please go oh, back and man. look at her picture because she straight up does look like. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> she's okay, got that pointy nose. Some, like side by side or something because that is yeah. Hilarious. Side by side will be coming soon on our Facebook page and the like because that cracked me up so much. But That's I do want to so share this. Funny, <laughs> I know it's so it's so <laughs> fucking amazing. Swear jar. Um, because I agree. But she what did also right say now, this. Swear jar. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Let's, <laughs> let's not um, worry about that yet because I'm a little horrified by the results. I'm pretty sure some charity is going to be making it big. Like, we should <laughs> so. just donate like 
thousand dollars at the end of the year or something. I think that's probably about what it's going to be. Fair, so maybe, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's put that into the universe now. Okay. At least a thousand dollars to charity that we really care about and that our Perfect. more importantly listeners care about. Um, okay, so the only other thing that she said that I want to share essentially is that. She says, the one solace I have, and and it'll be interesting to hear what you guys think about this, but the one solace I have is that the Secretary of Education isn't a position that makes instant decisions, like Mm. Homeland Security or Defense. I wasn't a big fan of the last Secretary of Education, but he didn't do that much. Um, But I also don't trust Trump and DeVos, um, and I honestly think they would shut down public education and privatize privatize everything so she still is concerned about that but it's sort of the point i guess that has been brought up with a lot of these nominations is like how much power do these people really have and is like stating your position enough to really move people towards policy being enacted or um does this position not really matter that much and it's just a distraction and getting people riled up so i'll be curious to hear as we kind of process throughout the year etc like what people think about that but i know that's something on her mind and as um you know again a public education teacher in one of the most segregated cities in the world um i thought that she would have an interesting perspective well yeah well thank you so much for for sharing her thoughts and for for um Regine, right? Regine Chartier. Regine, Queen Regine. Queen thank Regine. You for, yes, thank for you. sharing. We should have her on here. I know. She will. I bet she will. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, that, but that's, that is a really terrifying, because that goes all back to, you know, ties back to the, like, performance of Trump and all of that sort of stuff when we're talking about what is a distraction and what is, what is to be actually concerned with. That's very yeah. interesting. I agree. And perfect segue into like, yes, we're going to have to process this a lot, obviously. But I feel like even um, in people that have interacted on our Facebook page so far, it seems like we have a lot of potential moms as our demographic. And, you know, Morgan has recently shared with me that she's, you know, starting to think and plan for her future family with her wonderful husband, Stu, who is my boyfriend's best friend and how we know each other. Um, So I really just wanted to kind of um, get her take and, and assumed this would probably resonate with our listeners. I wanted to get her take on, you know, both her thoughts about DeVos, but more broadly, as a future parent, you know, what kind of education system are you envisioning for your future children and how do we get there? And, um, you know, really, what do you hope for in terms of the, the education and information and knowledge your kid might have access to in the future? Yeah, I mean, that is such a huge question, right? Like, it is, when it you, is. <laughs> when you texted me, you were like, I want to ask you this. And she texted, like, you guys, she texted me this like two and a half hours ago. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. I'll talk about it, yeah. Because this is this is something that I have legitimately, I, I will I will say that the voucher, like the whole, me even learning what the voucher system was um, really is kind of what got these wheels turning. And I have been, I have been putting a lot of, of thought into that. Um, I live in Portland, Oregon. The public um, education is, is pretty good out here. And it's, I've never thought of not sending my kid to private school. I've never thought because I always went to private school. My husband never did. My husband went to public school. I had a great experience in public school. 
And I, I have only been inside like two or three public schools in my life. And it's mainly because I was volunteering there or doing something in high school there. So I was never there at student age or as a student. And when I was like, what is the, what is the voucher program? And I put it out there on Facebook. And I think, um, I think Katie, the same Katie who I read earlier, I think she also responded, but several of my friends in the education community in New Mexico responded to me and then told me why, why it was bad. And I went, oh, Morgan, your privilege is showing. Because at first I read it and I went, well, that doesn't sound so bad. You know, it gives, it gives everybody the opportunity to go to the school of their choosing to, um, you know, choose a charter school or maybe even choose a school that's closer to them if they're having transportation issues, if they're, you know, and, you know, all my friends were like, well, yeah, if it actually went that way, um, because, you know, because of what you were just talking about, Liz, that, that often, you know, these, these vouchers are awarded to people who are already currently sending their, their kids to private school, um, that it doesn't, plan to serve communities of color, that it doesn't plan to serve children with special needs, things like that. And, and as soon as I started actually opening my eyes to exactly what that would mean, I went, well, that sounds awful. Because in my mind, I mean, the, the child that, that, I mean, first of all, I don't want to raise a piece of shit, like, right? Like nobody wants to raise a piece, a, raise a piece of shit. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, I want to raise a person who is compassionate, who's well-versed in other people's issues, and and that's better than me at all of this. You know, I'm 27 years old and I'm just now going, oh my God, like the entire thought process that I have had behind everything growing up is, is drenched in privilege. Okay, and can I say, like you're being so eloquent, but I have to interrupt you only to say that like, you are in, the 27 year age which is like where everybody like I'm having these same moments and it's so relevant to the time but I also love that so I should mention I'm 30 y'all I'm old as fuck now oh, I'm, shut I'm the 30 fuck up. but I'm just saying I love that you're 27 because like so many actors and other performance people have joined the 27 club and like couldn't make yeah. it essentially yeah. through this like Mo and I remember 27 being this way, like this monumental, like transformative time where you really are considering all of these things. And then you have such a different experience than I did at 27, where very different things are happening in the world that you already have to contemplate at that level anyway. So right. I just want to say, like, I just, I love it. And like, you're not going to be a part of the 27 club because you're going to make it to 28. And like, thanks, girl, girl, you just like, you got it going on. Okay, I'm going to stop now. Continue. Wait, <laughs> I just, I mean, what I'm, what, what, what I was trying to say with all of that is that, you know, it took me this long to wake up to the fact that I even have anything to learn. Um, and I don't want to raise my child that way. I don't in any way intend to raise my kids without knowing and, and being grateful for what they have, because I certainly don't want to like wake them up in the middle of the night and be like, other kids don't have this, you know, like, I don't want to be like, <laughs> like, I don't want to be like mommy dearest crazy and be like, give me Guess what? <laughs> That was so scary. <laughs> that was so loud in my headphones. I'm like, I just I'm sorry. Almost, that was oh, that was what was. Oh my god, I'm Liz, sorry. I'm like bright red. You should see. I just turned. Red. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, but do you I'm know what I mean? Myself. I don't want to be like. You can only have one sweater, and you better <laughs> like it. 
you know, I don't, I don't want to be that like that at all. But what I want to do is go, you know, like I want to bring them up and, and in the same way that, you know, that my mom did. I mean, it was always with my mom. Um, it was always like, okay, but don't forget that not everybody has this. Like you can have whatever, whatever you need, but I don't think you need a whole lot more than that. And don't get me wrong, I never wanted ah. for anything. I was extremely spoiled. I, I had everything. I had a new car, a brand new car at 16. I mean, I was just like super, super spoiled. And I look more at, you know, how, but, but the lessons were there. And when I think about education, I think about the education that I had and that's so steeped in, in privilege, it's difficult for me to you know, and this is going to be an ongoing thought process, um, but it's difficult for me to then take my experience and apply it to a public school experience because I feel like it should all be that way. I had incredible professors. They knew each one of their kids. Um, you know, we had a great community. It was a very, it was almost like a mini liberal arts college where I went to high school. And, you know, in, in elementary school, I remember nothing but positive experiences with my educators. And, and that's what I want. Because when I, when I graduated and I went into um, college and I was taking like Western Civ, I knew it all already. And that was because I had not all of it. I knew it all, everyone. I didn't even need to take Western Civ. I knew everything. Civ. <laughs> everything. I know everything. This podcast is a bore. This is I why we're doing everything. this podcast because you know everything. It's because I know everything. But, um, <laughs> but I, I went in having been like, oh, yeah, you know, having heard a lot of this before and I, I I was very like my school was because it was a private school it chose to be liberal um and and so we didn't have religious activities on school on school campus we didn't have um you know we had art we had art and that could be whatever it was it meant to was meant to be for you but so that's I think what it what it like going back to the larger question I think that's what it looks like I really want an education in an ideal world um you know, I want an education system that, that my son or daughter can decide how they would like to chart their path. Um, and can I, I ask I, you one question yeah, in that context? Because it really has me thinking because I had, on the flip side, like I had to go to Catholic or Jesuit school. Not in any way because like that's necessarily the philosophical beliefs of either of my parents like my mom grew up right. in catholic school and with catholic parents my dad grew up like in what they say is presbyterian and i by they say i mean like his family but like they identify in no way essentially right so it's like but i feel like and maybe this is of course of because of my own bias because this is just straight up my personal experience but i feel like i loved my experience because i learned enough about world religions that like and enough about like the downfalls of catholicism that it made me choose in a way that i'm not sure that i would have if i hadn't had forced religion classes and like by no means, like, let me, like, out myself here. By no means am I, a, like, am I not a believer of separation of church and state? I very much am. But, like, I think about how, like, that teaching influenced my own perspective and my own choice in that. And I wonder, like, again, as a future parent, like, like, how much of that would you want in school? Like, would they get, like, a world religions class? Or what do you think? Like, what shapes so, opinions? I would like it the same way that I had it because I... I Ours was framed in a history sort of way, 
we learned about a lot of different world religions. We learned about, but we learned about it in, 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 in a history capacity. So it was like, these are the things that happened. And these were the implications of all of that. And this is what it means to be of this faith. Um, it was never like, okay, everybody, like, let's sit around and, and examine the Bible. Or like, we never, we never like took a particular text. It was, it was multiple it was a multi like what am i looking for like it was multiple disciplines multiple discourses yeah and and that is extremely important to me because it was never a thought in my mind ever to like okay i'll give you an example so we had um during 9 11 we had um and and on the actual day of 9 11 um i was i believe i was in his class um there, oh man, his name, his name was Muhammad Ali, but he had, he had a middle name and then, and a, and a, a I think he had two middle names. Um, and he was my professor. He was my English teacher in seventh grade. I think it was seventh grade. And he was a really awesome person. He was a really nice teacher, just a really great, great educator. And he, I want to say he, he was Egyptian. Um, but anyway, he, he gave a speech the morning after 9-11 um, because he, he canceled class for the rest of the day. He cried when the towers fell. He was sitting there with all of us. We all watched it on TV. It was a moment wow. I will never forget in my life. Wow. And he gave a speech the next day that was like, I just want to thank everybody for never, you know, like I went home yesterday and I went to the grocery store and I tried to go on with my life. And the people in this community made me feel like I had something to be ashamed of for looking the way that I do. And this school did not. Wow. And when I, That's amazing. he was like, yeah. And so we all went back to school and he was like, let's just talk about this. Like screw catcher in the rye or like whatever we were reading. <laughs> you know, it was probably, honestly, it was probably catcher in the rye, but screw Lord anyway, of the flies. Yeah. Right. I mean, oh, actually it might've been Lord of the flies, but yeah, it was one of those. You know, and he's like, let's talk about what's going on here. And I remember him saying, you know, well, I like, I just, I appreciate you all being open to hearing what I have to say and all these things. And I thought, is there, is there some kind of prejudice against Muslim people? I remember going, oh my God, oh. that's really interesting. Yeah. I remember going, wait, the, it, why? Like, why would anybody... And then somebody beat me to it and was like, but why? Like, why would anybody be worried about what you believe? And, and I remember that moment and he just said, and he was like, this is why institutions like this are so important. And that was all he said. And then he, then we like went on something or, or I heard, <laughs> yeah. But, and so when I think of religion, I think it's essential to learn it because you may find yourself being a person that, that needs to follow something like that, that wants to follow something like that. And I believe that, that it is absolutely your right to choose to do that. I do not believe in indoctrinating our children on which one is the right one. If you would like to be a religious person, if my child comes to me and says, I really want to be baptized, I'll go, okay, I am not going to do it for them. And that's just what I believe. Um, you know, I believe that the opportunity to learn and the opportunity to digest information in a way that makes sense to your growing brain is paramount because it is how I have now come to this point because my, I mean, my parents were like, whatever you want, you know, if I had come to my mom and been like, I really want to go to church, she would have been like, really? I mean, okay, like I'll take you, but gross. You know, like she would have gone though. <laughs> mine too, mine too. Yeah. Yes. 
And okay, so I guess. <laughs> yeah. And so the only thing I really have to say about that is in, in terms of religion, in my mind, you should learn about all of them before you pick which one you want. And before you necessarily pick that you don't want one. You know? It's like I, would I mean agree. it's 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 the same situation as like, well, I really want to buy a new car. Well, read the safety ratings first. <laughs> Don't just watch an ad for Toyota and buy one. Yeah. And you I, know, so it's like, and I like, pardon me for the like horrible analogy, but. No, but I love that you're sharing them because it's so funny to me. And this is part, I'll share with everyone. This is part of the reason I wanted to ask you about this today is that. I'm more on the leaning of, like, I don't really know if I want to have kids, but, like, occasionally I get, like, ridiculous FOMO. And I'm like, I have to have kids. And I'm like, wait, no, that's not the right reason to. And so, like, for any other women out there that are like me that are like, I feel FOMO about it, but, like, every other thing leads to, like, meh, which, like all of the feels I have about children that align with you, Morgan. Like, I'm like, I, like, it's like having a dog, right? It's like when people are like, I don't have the space or the time for a dog and I couldn't possibly give them that quality of life. Like, that's like generally my sentiment about kids, but I very much care about education policy. So like, I would love to invite us to continue this conversation because I think we represent at least the bifold of how women think about this. Like there's women out there who are very like, I don't really think having kids is in the cards for me, but I love children and I have occasional FOMO and where does that come from? And then there are a lot of women who are like, I knew I always wanted kids and like, what does that mean for our policy future? And then there's of course a lot of outside and in between. So I'm, I'm not suggesting it's a binary issue, but I'd love to continue to talk about it with you in future episodes because I think like we both kind of represent opposite sides but like policy wise really agree on a lot so it's yeah it's Mm -hmm. interesting in that regard because it's like well it's an issue of our future I mean the education is is something that will absolutely like when we are the baby boomers the education policy changes that we are making now we will see what happens to our world then yeah. So right. it's it's a hum it's it's another human issue. It doesn't matter if you if you want to have children, if you do not want to have children, we should all be invested in in the future of children, whether they're yours or not. I agree. And I think I you know that's another uniting thing about being a human. They don't have to be your children. Like if if you know a boat is sinking and everyone's like you're not going to not grab the kid next to you just because he's not your kid. I hope and not. that to me is like what's happening. You know what I mean? Like you're not you're not gonna go. Well, that's not my kid, and get out of there. You're gonna you're gonna help everybody, or you should. Okay. And I think like keying into all of those issues and making all of the issues, regardless of whether they have to do with you or not, an issue of humanism and an issue for you. Not even if it's not about you, it should be an issue for you. Is really where we start to like bridge the gap between all these people that cannot that you know myself included that that can't hold conversation productive conversations with people of other beliefs god that's so true that is so true and why we should continue to talk about education because i think thinking about things in the context of how do we want to shape future situations for not just our kids but anyone that's to come after us is an incredibly important thing to consider and people um 
aren't always thinking in that lens. So I, I absolutely love that. And I guess I'll just say, for lack of a better segue, we could obviously talk about this for a million hours, but we did yes. want to recognize some amazing women for the week. I know that we were talking about Queen of the Week earlier, and I do not want Mike Pence's statement about the quality of bus drivers or other white workers to influence how we feel about this monumental month for Black History Month and the queens we want to recognize. Um, maybe this is a good time to move to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we just want to take a little bit of time and recognize Coretta Scott King today. Um, she's just, I mean, God, she's just the queen. Like, she just really, really the is. The queen! She, the queen. Burp, 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 burp. Coretta ah! Scott <laughs> Not Coretta Scott King, Coretta Scott Queen. Yes. Oh, She's damn. <laughs> right? No, but I mean, still Coretta Scott King, but still, yeah. But, I mean, she she was hugely involved um, in, in the movement with her husband, Martin Luther King, but also after his death, continued to champion women's rights. Um, she actually even played a very dominant role in um, the LGBTQ rights movement. So she's just, she's a really incredible human being. Um, she lived to be 78 and she died in Rosarito Beach, Mexico. I was like, get it. Like, that's awesome. I would, <laughs> you know, what I, like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. Is that, I, I don't know how she got there. I like, I, I want to read basically everything about her. Um, Hopefully but, via but, like, horse covered wagon <laughs> uh, right like uh but so i i wanted to talk particularly about this moment in her life um about the king center it was established in 68 in 1968 by coretta scott king the king center is the official memo memorial dedicated to the advancement of the legacy and ideas of, of martin luther king um and I mean, after raising funds from a private sector in the government, she financed the building of a huge complex in 1981. Um, in 1984, she came under criticism by Hosea Williams, one of her husband's earliest followers for having used the King Center to promote authentic material on her husband's dreams and ideals and disqualified <laughs> the merchandise as an attempt to exploit her husband, which go away. <laughs> anyway, so but crazy. she, I mean, that foundation has done a lot of really amazing things. Um, and, and I just, I don't think there's any, I, there's anything that I can even say that can encompass what her life must have been like to stand next to, you know, this, this person who was charting the way and to essentially have to bear the, you know, I mean, have to hold not only their family unit together, but yeah. have to go out on her own and, and speak out after, after someone had killed him. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? Your husband's this huge activist and an incredible human being and he, and he gets murdered and then, and then you have to stand alone. It's like crazy. Yeah. So like queen status. Yeah. Serious queen status. And I guess I would just love to invite anyone listening. Like if you know any other cool facts that we didn't mention here, Share oh yeah! With oh us. my God, there are so many. I there would love so to know more. Many. I know. I I'm would gonna love read to a biography of her. Yeah, I know. All of you people reading out there and participating, like, let us know because we can post some additional stuff on our pages. And like, I mean, that's serious queen status. But let's get some more. <laughs> let's get some more. Right? Examples. No kidding. 
And I just want to read in, a, in kind of a parting gift to you all. The um, two days after MLK's death, um, Coretta spoke at Ebenezer Baptist Church, which she then went back every year on the anniversary of his death for like a, for a long time, for many, many years. And um, she had said that her husband had told their children, if a man had nothing that was worth dying for, then he was not fit to live. So I just wow. thought that was really amazing. I feel like, I feel like we should end it there. That's so amazing. Yeah. I I, like, that's like, like mic drop. Totally. Yeah. Like, like, and I mean, for every woman like Betsy DeVos that is trying to cut down, uh, you know, communities that's trying to, you know, for her own benefit, um, use public policy. There, there are people like Coretta Scott King who use policy to make good and to, you know, continue the legend of, of, you know, her husband and like even though that's so like like wrapped up in the patriarchy to like kind of think about it that way it's not because he that was that was her mission afterwards was to you know make sure that every all of the work that he did and she did with him she stood next to him through all of that work not behind him so i just anyway i love her i'm not talking because that was so beautiful let's end it right there this is Chug and Chat with Morgan Chug and Chat. Chug and Chat. Um, follow us on Facebook. Like us on Twitter. Or maybe the opposite. Whichever one is appropriate for social media. But really, um, these conversations only continue to get more robust with your participation. And that's why this was so long today. So thank you. I know. This sorry. Not sorry. We love you. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Bye. Bye. Bye.